You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Welcome back. This is the Riverwise Podcast. I'm Kari Frazier, and also Detroit is different. We're welcoming someone that I've interviewed on international issues, and from our last discussion internationally, we're talking local issues now. We're talking about the Detroit Public Library. Russ Ballant, how are you today? I'm uh, honored to be here. I appreciate you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Definitely yeah. always great to have you back. And I get so much game um, <laughs> every time you're here. It's like, wow, you know, it's all this stuff going on. Yes. And uh, and then just even the spirit of uh, still having the, uh, the revolutionary spirit to arm people with information and also be in the streets as an activist advocating mm-hmm. for people and justice. That's that's powerful. And that's what Riverwise is definitely about. So, yes. Uh, this has been something you've been speaking to because you're, you definitely advocate for libraries, reading yes. knowledge, uh, what it means. Uh, libraries across the nation took such a huge hit during COVID-19, what mm-hmm. will happen, uh, how they will move forward. Uh, and this is kind of in the shadows of libraries and their viability and sustainability moving forward just in America. As a lot of people say like, Hey, what do we need libraries for? We got Google, we got YouTube university. It's so much information on the internet, but the library is still an asset, especially in places like Detroit, because it's one of the places where uh, internet is not as accessible for people where you can access the internet. You can access information. You can get to a computer. It can be a gathering space, a social space, places to to learn from. You know, librarians play a role in community as well. So mm-hmm. uh, when I think about the role of a library, uh, especially for young people, uh, it is a key asset to build community. Mm-hmm. And our Detroit public libraries are going through a crisis right now, mm-hmm. um, dealing with the ways that they're being funded, dealing with how they're being handled, dealing with how they can sustain and maintain and be assets in communities. So please speak to what's going on with Detroit public libraries. Well, Detroit Public Library has been um, struggling since COVID to get get itself reopened. Uh, The closing in March of 2021 of the whole system was uh, mandated by the state, Mm -hmm. although we were supportive of that because we did not want libraries to become breeding centers for COVID when, uh, you know, uh, there was um, uh, so much... um, uh, communicable disease uh, everywhere, and when we when that mandate was lifted, we reopened six branches, and of course we had the main library. Uh, okay, and when you speak from we, because the you're library, sitting, thank you. Uh, the, you, you sit yes. on the board of the Detroit Public Library. Yes, uh, my my six year term just ended December thirty first. Okay, uh, but <clears throat> I served twelve years on the library commission. Okay, board. Um, and the uh, so the reopening be- began uh, slowly in six locations around the city, uh, f- focusing on those with larger 
physical spaces so that p there was no uh, social distance, you know, crampness. We wanted social distancing as much as possible in the branches. And we instituted practices such as wiping uh, down uh, all contact surfaces, computer keyboards, desk counters, and uh, screens, so forth, uh, every two hours. Uh, doing disinfecting uh, restrooms and so forth. So an increased cost, of course. And, and that's that's what I was going to say. So um, a lot of the uh, measures taken to protect people with COVID also come at the expense of the capacity of the staffing to do that um, right. and also having the supplies to do that. This mm -hmm. isn't necessarily something just like, okay, you should do this, and then it's as simple as it can be done. It's like it's I Dream a Genie. It mm -hmm. will take costs to uh, make sure you have the right sanitation materials, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also you'll need staffing to execute these tasks. Yeah. Um, and for a system that's already strained within budget constraints, mm -hmm. this can be difficult. So yes. I just wanted to add that. Yes. And uh, when we entered the COVID era, uh, <clears throat> we were our budget was being strained by the city of Detroit. <clears throat> uh, everyone who pays a property tax bill will see when they uh, pay the bill uh, 4.63 mills for the Detroit Public Library. Uh, and 98% of the public, I believe, believes that the city forwards that money to the library, all that money, as to the schools and to the, uh, the millage for supplemental education for special needs children. They think they're, that's all getting paid pass forward in the city, uh, it, uh, it, it wouldn't put their hands on it. And the fact of the matter is the city is capturing huge amounts of that money and giving it to developers downtown, taking so, it from our library. So can you explain exactly what a millage is? Um, yes. You know, we'll yes. go into... Uh, you know, we'll, yes. you'll vote on different things. You'll you'll open election. You're, you're thinking, OK, I'm voting for president or I'm voting for governor, possibly mayor, city council. And then you'll see on the other side, like a lot of proposals and millages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what is a millage? A millage is an assessment. Uh, it's a tax put on your property based on its value. Uh, one mill uh, uh, represents a uh, a dollar for every thousand dollars of property value. Hmm. Um, so if you uh, if you have a twenty thousand dollar house, hmm. um, uh, there's going to be a twenty dollar uh, uh, assessment uh, uh, multiplied. Uh, just so I get it clear. So if there's four point six three mills. Uh, you know, on on your uh, on your property, and your property is worth uh, twenty thousand uh, dollars. A portion of that, some portion of that property. I'm not going to do the math so in my head like, and cause confusion. It would be like if if it's five, if, yeah. if a millage of five. Yeah. Your your property's worth twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Uh, technically, that means that one would be twenty. So you'd pay a hundred dollars yes. every year in property tax, and that hundred dollars is spent. That millage is for whatever allocated for. So it could be right. schools, it could be libraries, yep. it could be public parks, it could be uh, whatever is agreed upon. That's right. In that millage. That's right. That's what it is. Okay. And uh, thank you. And so we're. Um, uh, we're fixed and limited by state law to 4.63 mills. It gets renewed every 10 years. It was renewed in 2014. It'll be renewed uh, on the next ballot year. for renewal, yes, next year. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, when we renewed it uh, in 2014, we were being tax captured. The tax capture goes back many years to 1975, state law in 1975, that said that any city with a development agency like Downtown Development Authority uh, can uh, take a portion of millage revenues and give it to the development agency. Okay, now... Um, and that's what the city is doing, but they're way beyond what the law ever imagined was going to happen. So, so uh, tax capture. Can you explain what a tax capture mm -hmm. is? Mm -hmm. And then I want to break down a little bit more of what you say that um, part of the millages, because mm -hmm. I also want to understand, like, is it like all millages across the board? Is it mm -hmm. just a specific millage? Is it different percentages? Mm -hmm. Like, so what is a tax capture? A tax capture is actually taking part of the millage revenue that gets deposited in city accounts mm -hmm. and transferring it to development projects downtown. Okay, and so let's say, I don't even know all the millages, but like let's say that the library millage is 4.6, uh, the, uh, the public parks millage is, you know, 6.5, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the... The schools have a, a pair of millages. Uh, they're around... 12 mils each, okay. I believe. So with that, approximately. does that mean that if a tax capture happens, uh, is it like equitable? Like, is e it like All we're of taking, them get hit. Or, or is it, so it's, it, is it like a different percentage? How, what's the, it's what's not clear. the science? Oh, mm -hmm. okay. So it's not even clear as far as to me. what, how, how you make a decision to say, okay, well, we're, since the schools get 12, we'll take. You know, we're just going to take 20% across the board for everything. Right. Or we'll right. take 15% of the schools and 10% of the libraries yeah. and 5% of the parks. Like, how does that, who I makes these decisions? I, the uh, the mayor, ma mayor's finance office and the De uh, Detroit Development Agency and the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, which is the umbrella over the Downtown Development Authority. Mm. Um uh, that nexus is where all the decisions get made. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, I've never done the math on, uh, on all the taxing, the ta taxing authorities are the term applied to all the people who receive millage, all the institutions, again, the libraries, the schools, the Wayne County Community College, mm -hmm. uh, our Wayne Risa Intermediate School District. They're all considered taxing authorities, uh, for some reason. And they, uh, I haven't, you know, looked at all science. their revenue, okay. all their millage and done the math on their percentages and whether they're being done equitably. But the schools take a huge hit. Mm -hmm. The library takes a huge hit budget, budget wise, a percentage of the budget wise. So so and, and you know, definitely more about the library. How were the libraries functioning um, as far as uh, having capacity pre-COVID? Mm hmm. Um, and then at what impact mm -hmm. uh, were, were these, uh, was the tax capture of the millage having on the libraries, you believe, mm -hmm. before COVID? And now let's look at after COVID as well. Okay. Uh, Pre-COVID, starting in 2018, the mayor uh, started uh, really starting to jack up the take, the take out of the Detroit Public Library millage. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 
going off the top of my head, but I believe we're talking around uh, a couple million dollars. Uh, now, remember here, the library budget is in the $30 million range. It, it, it might be up to $33 million or so. Mm -hmm. But uh, during this period, you know, uh, 28, 29 to 33 uh, million over the last five, six years has been a library budget. Not a big budget. There's departments in the city that have bigger budgets than this by far. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, but, you know, uh, and, and, you know, th so th in 2018, we had to take half a million dollars out of our reserve funds. Now, the library maintains a fund balance. To, to, for emergencies, like a, a HVAC system goes out, the heating, ventilation, air conditioning system goes out in a facility. Uh, uh, a big storm comes and there's roof damage, uh, any other, and other things of this sort. And because the city will not allow the library to have a separate capital fund, the city, by law, is the fiduciary for the library. They set up the bank accounts. They issue all the checks at the request or the initiative of the library, they approve the library budget in, the f in finality, although the library commission proposes it and historically the city has um, uh, accepted that at, as we propose it and they forward it to city council for final approval. So the city plays a big role in the library financially speaking. And um, so they know what they're doing to us when they do this. Mm -hmm. uh, so we borrowed a half a million dollar from our, what I call our, loosely our rainy day fund. Mm -hmm. And um, and the next year we had to go over a million dollars in 2019. We're up to now well over $3 million. And in, for the budget that's going to begin July 1st, the city said uh, you should budget 4.2 million. They're going to do another big jackup on our on our fund, and they said, and for every year thereafter, add a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so if I'm getting this correct, what you're saying is in 2018, out of the reserve funds that the library has saved for um, you know just for unexpected that may come, the the executive branch uh, or executive office stepped in and said, you know what, we're going to need to access and tax capture 500,000 of this in 2018. Mm -hmm. In 2019, it was saying, all right, now we need to cap tax capture $1 million. And moving forward- I think it was over, yeah. Yeah, it might've and, been up to 2 million. Okay, so 2 million in 2019. Yeah. And, and now moving forward, it's saying, you can expect the two million mm -hmm. every year and an additional hundred thousand mm -hmm. um like uh what is that what's that term um, uh, uh damn perpetually yeah. um every moving forward every year so so if that if that's true mm -hmm. that means that like this is like uh accrued interest almost so like in in twenty twenty it'll be two two million. In 2021, it'll be 2.1 million. In 2022, it, it'll be 2.2 it, million. It, it didn't work that way. No, mm -hmm. it, it it leaped from two million uh, up to three million, uh, and uh, then they told us uh, to budget 3.3.2 million in one year. They actually took 3.8. So the next year they said budget 3.5. 
Uh, and I, that's about the level we're at now. But what they're saying for ne- next year, they never gave us any in- incremental. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave us their estimates of what it, what it would be, but the estimates were always uh, increased <laughs> as the years approached. Uh, but the, in 2020, uh, the budget that will go in effect in July 1, they want, want $4.2 million, which is another big leap. Mm-hmm. And they're saying on that $4.2 million, to add a hundred thousand a year for the five years thereafter. Mm-hmm. Now they don't go beyond that because they're not going to be around, and nobody can predict, you know, what the next administration is going to want to do. But that's what they're saying. Now, that's that's one facet of the damage they're doing to the library. Mm-hmm. A second one, um, uh, it, uh, and by the way, where this money goes, who receives it? is never publicly reported. And again, the, f- the fact of the matter is the public voted for this money in 2014 to go to 3.99 mills, goes to the, um, to the library. It doesn't say it goes to the library unless the mayor wants to take a cut of it and give it to business f- people downtown. It doesn't say that, uh, but it did put a limit on it. If he did try to do it, it said uh, uh, may take up to five percent, and that was put on uh, the advice of a uh, special counsel, uh, so that there was uh, some notice to the public about the tax captures. We were the f- only people who did that, uh, <clears throat> and and we put a cap on it. But the mayor uh, is going three times that; f- he's taking fifteen percent of our money, okay, mm-hmm. and. Uh, of our millage money. And uh, when we refer to the 5% cap, they say, that's not in the state law. We don't have to pay any attention to it. We said, no, but that's what the voters said mm-hmm. when they put this money in. No, that has nothing. To, we don't care about that. Okay. And they get away with it because the voters don't know it's happening at all. And, and and as you speak to this, what impact does this have on the library operating? Because how, um, how ef- efficient mm-hmm. is that? the library operating today mm-hmm. um, with well, when it comes to financially, how, offici- well, how financially stable is the library? Well, um, I mean, uh, the millage revenues themselves are not necessarily uh, utterly predictable. We had a drop in millage re- uh, uh, property tax revenues mm-hmm. in the uh, mid-2010s. Uh, um, you know, so even that was a little unpredictable. But um, the library, it does not have the income that it had before Mayor Duggan started these massive tax captures to reopen all 21 branches. Mm. And so we've got four or five branches closed right now. Um, uh, one of them is g- getting structural repairs. So the, the flood of 2021 uh, exposed some structural problems that were uh, un- uncovered when from the flood damage. And so that's all getting in- engineered and repaired. Uh, um, and that's what our fund balance is for, mm-hmm. <laughs> see. Uh, and, but we, um, uh, we're not going to be able to open 21 branches. Mm-hmm. There are going to be neighborhoods that are going to be without library services. And uh, uh, I'll segue to another thing because we've tried to address this, and I'm going to tell you that story. We, uh, on May 25th of 2021, 
when uh, the city of Detroit got uh, had received ARPA funds, commitments to ARPA funds, uh, on that date of May 25th, uh, the mayor, Duggan, uh, gave a talk to the city saying he wanted to hear people's ideas what he should do with the ARPA money. Well, the first hour of that meeting was him talking about his ideas and what he was putting forward. And a citizen stood up and said, uh, Mr. Mayor, um, I've, libraries are very important to our community, but I haven't seen anything in your ARPA plans for even a dollar going to the library. And he said, let me stop you right there. He cut her off and he said, the libraries are managed, and that's the word he used, by the Detroit Public Schools. So if you want them to get additional money, go to the school board. Now, here's a mayor who knows that, his, that they process the budget, that they control the finances, that goes, all goes through the city entities. There is no management from the Detroit schools whatsoever. And I can tell you in 12 years, there has never been any interest in the schools coming in and saying, do this, do that, or you know, this is what we think. Um, that doesn't happen. There is no management. It was, it was a uh, fictitious statement, if I can be charitable. Mm -hmm. And so all seven commissioners signed a letter to the mayor asking for a meeting with the mayor to talk about city library issues. And when you say that, you mean on the library board? That's correct. Thank mm -hmm. you very much, uh, the Detroit Library Commissioners. Um, and the city never responded to our request for a meeting with the mayor. Hmm. Just ignored it. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'll t tell you uh, what was going on at that time was that in December 2020 and uh, January and I think uh, another date after January of 2021, early, uh, early months of 21, uh, uh, two finance department employees, as best as we've been told, Two finance department employees committed wire fraud on the Detroit Public Library accounts, and they attempted to st steal $689,000. Now, that's the story that um, that was reported in the in, in a lot more of the, like, I guess I would say, like the uh, popular media, the, the more, I guess, traditional media, whatever you, you say. Yeah. That, uh, that story ran rampant. Like, I remember that story coming across the news feeds and I was like, okay, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, what's yeah. this What's this dealing with? Uh, and then even the way that it was reported was like, okay, because of the nefarious actions of these parties is going to have obviously detrimental impacts on the viability and sustainability of the library system in Detroit and possibly these other libraries opening. Uh, like, it, it seemed as if that story kind of was like a, a, a linchpin in these are the challenges in the library. So um, mm -hmm. what happened in reference to that story? Well, what yeah. impact did that have? Well, um, yes. Yes. And, and why do you think that that story got so much more attention than what you're telling me about the millage? Because uh, because it was an overt crime, you know, um, uh, it got more attention, and uh, at, at that time, I was the president of the library, Detroit Library Commission, and uh, I got a briefing on it uh, mid-year, uh, a very brief briefing, and uh, our attorneys were, which our attorneys are the Dickinson Wright Law Firm. We don't have a staff attorney, um, and they 
they asked for a closed meeting of the Library Commission to discuss legal issues uh, in November. Uh, they didn't ask in November. It was set for November uh, for a variety of reasons, and the commission was briefed on it. So the, while the mayor is refusing to give us ARPA money, while the mayor w refuses to meet with the Detroit Library Commission to talk about our uh, uh, common good, common issues, the, our common goals of promoting the library services, or what I th we thought was our common goals. The, the wire fraud is in the background, and none of us knew about it at the time. And so, if the mayor had been, if, I see a lot of people think he's shrewd. He's shrewd in a way, but if the mayor had been smart, he would have said, "You know what? Some of those ARPA dollars need to go to the library. They've got COVID-related expenses to begin with." Uh, which I outlined earlier, and um, and let's and if you can give uh, give money, COVID uh, money to greenways, <laughs> you can certainly give it to libraries and others with buildings, uh, um, because you know uh, people came in unmasked into the libraries, and unlike schools where they can screen who comes in, and mostly parents and a, a predictable population, you can't do that in a library. You can't. There's no screening whatsoever. So the, um, you know, the COVID risks were there. Uh, he ignored all that at the time, same time that his employees. Now, I've, tell, I've told the media, because this story came alive on January 10th when I presented it to city council. Mm -hmm. And I got calls from, you know, all the usual media uh, folk, mm -hmm. um, except for the Detroit Free Press. And... Uh, uh, you know, and I gave him the story. Uh, and, but very few, I don't think, know if anybody reported that they were city employees because the city kept saying, uh, we, we don't know uh, who those people were. And, and that's what I was going to say. And, but they don't deny it okay. outright. So I was going to say that as, um, as this is the purse strings, uh, the fiduciary for the libraries is is the city government of Detroit. So it seems to 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 be involved in any form of theft. You would need to have it would have to be somebody that has those purse strings. How did that mm -hmm. happen? Was it were there were there a lot of expenses just like under a certain amount of money? Um you know, no, uh, they they were doing some. Uh, they were doing six figure wire transfers. How how and, who, uh, who approved of this? What did well, shouldn't well, city see, council they, have been uh, no, briefed on this? Or? Well, I I would have thought the city council would have been briefed in at least in closed session, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, but because the city had no intention of making us whole here, and this is this is a key point um, when. The library found out when they looked at their accounts and they saw these losses, the person who uh, handles those issues for the library immediately reported to her, her superiors uh, this event. And the city uh, acknowledged the, uh, uh, the loss, but the law department, the head of the law department, wrote a memo saying that the library is going to have to eat the cost of this loss, and if you don't like it, sue us because we have immunity. Hmm. In other words, go hmm. screw yourselves. Hmm. So you got this pattern of the city misrepresenting, telling uh, misinformation to the public, 
such as we're managed by the school, so we're not going to give them any ARPA money, denying ARPA money, taking, increasing the millions of dollars they're sucking out of the library's millage revenue, and it's all one way. And they, they're basically saying, screw you. I mean, it, it's re- it was really blatant. It wasn't, it wasn't couched in legalese. It wasn't uh, anything about, you know, we regret this happened. And they told the Library Commission through the, the, our attorneys that a, a separate project that was supposed to be funded by the city connected to the library would not go forward unless the library commission voted to absolve the city of all responsibility Hmm. and the library commission unanimously refused to do that because they're the ones that are set up by state law to take responsibility over the finances why would we absolve them of responsibility when we have zero control over any of the uh transactions And, and that that's the other question that i would have like so um, so for this, and this kind of goes into the original millage tax cra- capture question. Um, so uh, putting on a hat, looking at this from all sides, if if I were a member of the executive body, maybe I could say, all right, our city, uh, our city's still um, looking to viability. This is, you know, this mm-hmm. is pre uh, we're going back to 2018. So this is pre uh, like right now. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's been reported that the city is in a tax surplus and city's trying to make a decision on what to do with those funds. But that's here nor there. Let's let's go back to 2018. Uh, the city's still uh, rising up from the shadows of, of, a, of a harsh bankruptcy. Uh, we have this option of taking five percent. Uh, we know that uh, the library has been operating um uh, with this, uh, with a, uh, with a, I guess like a, a, a just in case fund for a while, we haven't touched these dollars. So I guess that's the question I have now. Was the five percent ever taken before 2018? Maybe my attitude may be, okay, you all, we've we've had this option of taking this five percent for years. We never touched it, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit more now because we just never touched it till now. But we'll right set things. We need about five years. Yeah, we're gonna take like two million, three million, four million, and then after this six years, we get through past this COVID stuff. We get past some of these other challenges in the city. Right now, we're back to surplus. Guess what? We're only gonna take up to five percent now. Was uh, was five percent being taken before eighteen? They. It- they say the five percent has no um, meaning or value to them. Five mm. percent is a dead letter. Just because the voters v- voted it doesn't mean anything to them. Because since the voters don't know about tax captures, they don't know that it's, this. What's uh, they, yes, they don't know that branches are closed in neighborhoods because the city is looting the library. So uh, before, because because basically, so before eighteen, what was uh, was the tax capture present? What were monies being taken? You mm -hmm. you served for twelve years, so throughout your twelve years, the city would at least tap into that. uh, The law was passed in nineteen seventy five to to create. Uh, the tax capture capacity, and the city has been doing tax captures at some level, uh, a number of years under a million dollars for many years, since since the late 70s. Okay, so that's been consistent. And um, so this is 
right now, or at least uh, the 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 current state, these past couple of years, it's been uh, exponentially more mm-hmm. than uh, than as you say, like at least like under a million. Because moving into three and a half, four mm-hmm. million is it? You know, that's four that that's four times as much. So that's definitely new. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, it isn't just about the amount, but about the purpose. Mm-hmm. What? How does? Uh, the people's commitment to fund libraries have any relationship to somebody who wants to build a skyscraper downtown. Why, why, why is there even one cent? The fact of the matter is it should be the other way around. And, but as those property values go up with people building on them, mm-hmm. all that increased value on the property taxes stays downtown with the downtown development authority so when when a property say a property was uh, worth ten thousand um, uh, dollars before anybody touched it uh, that the property the assessments for that go to the libraries and the schools but when the libraries and schools give money to develop that into a million dollar project all that increased value, the other $990,000 on property taxes for that increased value, that, that goes to the Downtown Development Authority. They keep it. See, they used to say, well, the library should be supporting this. The school should be supporting these tax captures because the, the property values go up and then there's more millage revenue for everybody. It's not true that all that new value stays with the Downtown Development Authority and they use it in their pot of funds. Okay, and, and, and to and, give away to other millionaires and billionaires. So, so with that, how 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 is it known that this money is being exclusively used for that? What if they say, okay, some of this is being used for fire hydrants or you know uh, well, other city services? Uh, because the downtown De- development authority doesn't have have the uh, legal standing and uh, to to do that and they'd have to report that as a revenue source to the general fund of the city. It do, that's not in the city's budget. They don't, they don't get revenue from DDA. DDA collects its money that should be going into the city's general fund and into the, uh, into the accounts of all the, uh, all the entities and the property tax bill. Instead, it's staying within the Downtown Development Authority which spends it only in their narrow boundaries of the downtown. You know, that it, it just goes up to the uh, Fisher Freeway, up Woodward to the Fisher Freeway and uh, a little uh, uh, ring around uh, the near downtown area. It's very focused. So this, none of the DDA money is for neighborhoods. There is a small amount of tax capture that goes to the brownfield development, which is used citywide. But the great majority of the tax capture stays right in downtown. And this information, how do you even get access to this? Is this like FOIL requests? Is this like from city council meetings? How do you even know that this is going to that? I, I, uh, I, first of all, um, you know, I've done, I've studied what's on the DDA website, the Downtown Development Authority website. I've talked to tax capture experts, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> uh, both in the uh, community, like Pe- Detroit People's Platform, mm-hmm. and uh, also on the city side. Mm. Um, and then um, uh, I, I, I put together a grid based on information that was given to me of the ta- of 2020 tax year. Uh, that 
or uh, I'm sorry, 2021 tax year, and looked at what every the tax capture on every taxing authority, all of them. You got a chart about three feet this way, mm-hmm. about two feet this way, on how much was taken out of their uh, out of their uh, taxes and what the legal authority was for taking it, and it added up to a hundred million, hundred and three million dollars mm-hmm. in tax captures. And but if you go on the DDA website, they don't report that they receive this money. If you look at their annual financial report, they do not talk one word about getting the millage money from our schools, our libraries, or anything. It's all opaque. If you Google the city website, tax captures, the only thing that comes up is uh, Council President Mary Sheffield's resolution to ban tax captures on the schools and the libraries, which all citizens should be calling their city council to support. Ban tax captures on libraries in the schools in Detroit. And I'm sorry, I'll shut that. Uh, No problem. No problem. No problem. uh, And so, um, any rate, this is is a, a, a huge secret. Now, they have to file reports with the state treasury, Department of Treasury, uh, but those, those aren't as easy to find either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I had another route through which I was able to get the information. That's deep. And, and then from the city's perspective, uh, because, I mean, that could be FOIA requests and everything. I mean, this isn't even a public, you know, it's not a private entity. The city That's is. That's correct. Uh, so as the city uh uses millage funds in different ways or tax captures and everything wouldn't that be uh explicit and and i can just pull that information and just see what's going on because it may be all types of stuff happening um well as i said you can go to the dda website you won't find it you can uh google it in the search bar for the city of detroit you won't find it Mm. Mm. that's deep that's deep uh so so with this uh what do you think uh First off, what can we do as citizens to uh, to ensure that the libraries are open? Because at the root mm-hmm. of this, we want those libraries open. Mm-hmm. And we also want the libraries to have the funding to function at the level that they need to function, to, to be that center of community yeah. uh, where we can gather and, and be the asset for Detroit yes. that Detroit needs. Uh, well, I, I, I would suggest a couple of uh, uh, relatively immediate actions and i hope people have pencil and paper already okay <laughs> because uh the first thing uh first thing uh that's been in process in hearings for a long time is uh council president sheffield's resolution uh where the, this is a resolution that city council would approve to send to the state legislature to change state law to ban tax captures on our libraries and schools and letting every council member no, especially your district uh, member and your two at-large members. That would be uh, uh, Mary Waters and, and Coleman I Young. Coleman Young Jr. Yes. That's correct. And um, and uh, and uh, also let the council president know, even though she's District Five, mm-hmm. you let her know as well. The second step is that. Uh, District 2 Council Member uh, Angela Calloway has uh, proposed uh, that the DDA return $3.5 million annually to the Detroit Public Library. Hmm. Hmm. And I thought that 
it wouldn't generate any support at city council, but it has. Hmm. Um, and I'm pleased to hear that. Uh, you know, the, the elections, we, we brought some better people on city council in these last round of elections, um, for sure. And, uh, and letting all council members know that you support the DDA returning, in effect, returning the money that they're taking from the library. And, and I, let me emphasize this point, too. The li all the taxing authorities, uh, they have programs that are dependent on the millage, but the institution isn't dependent on, on the millage itself. Uh, most of their revenue comes from other places. The uh, library, however, 90% of its revenue is the millage. So no millage, no library system. Hmm. And... Uh, and even some of the 10% wouldn't come if we didn't have the 90%. So the, we wouldn't have anything except some, uh, you know, uh, 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 very minor sources that wouldn't amount to a one-person salary maybe. Um, and so um, the, the focus on the library, not just because I was on the commission, but because the, this, this is about its very existence. And I've, I've been uh, education, uh, uh, involved in education since, my, uh, public education since my kids were, uh, began in the public schools in 1993, mm -hmm. paying attention, fighting the John Engler takeover, um, and being part of, act when the school board was returned, John Engler's law, you know, uh, Public Act 10 of uh, 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 1999 abolished our school board. Uh, and for seven, almost seven years, we did not have an elected school board, period. Um, it was just run by an appointed CEO, which uh, began corrupting and bankrupting the school district by design. And the mayor was involved in that, and he was part of it at that time mm -hmm. uh, by the choice of John Engler. <clears throat> and so um, the uh, uh, return of a school board, uh, all of that I, I, I've watched the planned takedown of public education and the contribution it's, that's made to the uh, literacy rates in our city. And frankly, I see this takedown of the library system in that context. Hmm. And I ask people to remember that that there were times that there were laws in this parts of our country where it was not legal to teach people to read mm -hmm. if they were black. Yeah, definitely. There is not an equal commitment in this country to the populations of African-American communities, and you can smell it from Lansing, you know, w without taking a strong whiff. Mm -hmm. You can just just feel it in all how they've exercised all the laws on the emergency manager pushed emergency managers and as Roy Roberts an appointed emergency manager Rick Snyder said in a public meeting of the school board uh, I'm gonna say uh, in 2012 it was in 2012 he said when I was appointed to be the emergency manager over these schools Rick Snyder told me to blow up the Detroit school district
they demolished every school building in Inkster, even though they're still paying to this day the property taxes on those schools' buildings so that they would not have educational capacity in Inkster. They dismantled the Buena Vista School District, the black school district up near Saginaw. Mm -hmm. the, the focus on destroying public capacity for educating in the African-American community is yeah. a challenge here. And definitely, and, uh, I mean, going to Highland Park, no no school district, no you. library. Um, Dissolved you know. a community mm -hmm. college. They had yeah. a nice community college. Very, very much, very much so. Yes. Um, this is deep that you uh, speak to that um, and, and always appreciate you uh, giving, giving this uh, mm -hmm. definitely – information uh mm -hmm. and, and, and and topics and ideas to drink in even me you know now i'm walking away understanding more about a tax capture mm -hmm. a millage the relationship to the library that it has in detroit and then for everybody to know i the detroit library uh is such a key asset uh even for people such as myself especially when i think of i love the burton collection the uh the burton collection that is a collection inside the uh main library in Detroit uh, is one of the most in-depth archives of following any history of Detroiters dating back to, to Cadillac. So mm -hmm. Cadillac on up and you can pull files like I've pulled files on um, late great godmother, uh, rest in peace, or Thea Barnes and, and others. Uh, my sister Dara Harper's there. I'm sure Russ Ballant, I haven't pulled your file, but I'm sure you have some things in that Burton collection. Um, mm -hmm. And it's it's a rich source of of periodical information, mm -hmm. uh, a rich source of uh, historical data. Uh, sometimes uh, sometimes uh, e even books themselves. So when I think of the history of Detroit, and it was Dale Rich, another person, yes. a great photographer, uh, yep. historian that that told me like this is where you go to to get a step further if you want to find out some of the histories That's uh, right. of different people connected to the city of Detroit as written from a, a media lens, but it at least gives you more context. This is like pre-Google uh, of, of how you're going to get some information on different things uh, that happen in and around the city of Detroit, how public figures have stances on certain things. It's, it's one thing to, to read about um, someone like a, uh, I, I saw uh, recently um, Inkster just honest, honored, uh, as you say, like a Don Barton. So when you pull a Don Barton file, you you, you know, if you Google Don Barton, you're going to get a lot of information on like his biography and mm -hmm. some work he did. But by pulling that file from Burton, mm -hmm. now you can get the actual newspaper clips mm -hmm. of you know, some of the moves he was making as mm -hmm. a business person, possibly the fights he was making, who he advocated for, you mm -hmm. know, possibly people that had gripes with him. Like this gives more of a holistic view of how to move forward. So like when people wonder, like, you know, when people study documentaries and how do you get this information and you you take quantitative, qualitative information, combine them. The Detroit Public Library is a key gateway to that. And another thing that I found out just from when I was really in my kick of a lot of research <laughs> of Detroit was the Detroit Public Library also holds the records of really the design of what became uh, one of America's key assets in the industrial world of cars, like the blueprints of how mm -hmm. cars are designed. Uh, I mean, going back to like, you know, you know, mm -hmm. people look at these as cars, but like Plymouth, Buick, Pontiac, 
These mm-hmm. were actual individual car companies right. that mm-hmm. all like like the blueprints and the drafts of how they would design cars. A lot of Ford information is in the Detroit Public Library, just in the archives. And this goes over and beyond. Like if you just want to go and check out like uh, a new book from, you know, I don't know who you read. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It could be yeah. whatever. It could be fiction, nonfiction. That's there, too. But it's some specific information to Detroit that you can only get from the Detroit Public Library. And if these institutions are no longer open and we can't access them, that means that this information that has not been digitized, that has not been captured by people such as myself to reanimate this content is stuck there. And you're only going to be relying on people that can speak it, that have seen it. And I believe the best information that you can get is the information for yourself. So you may start from uh, something that you learn from Detroit is different, then go a step further. Take that step further. I mean, even studying some of these ideas about tax captures and millages, I'm sure have a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. There are some very rich library resources, I think, in the um, University of Michigan's library. Uh, Wayne State has a rich, especially their law library, but the difference there in mm-hmm. U of D yeah, is you have to be a student. It's not open to the public. The Ruther Archives. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but you're not going to get the same access right. Right. as a general, as, as just a citizen. At just uh, being a Detroit citizen mm-hmm. um, for the, I don't even know the cost, but it's like minimal cost. That mm-hmm. library card, and it's not even like that checking the library card like that either, but for for that minimal amount of money, you can get access to a wealth of information that can inform you uh, so you can make better decisions. But also, if you're a content creator like me, you can possibly arm yourself with uh, a gateway of a profession, a career, um, and become a subject matter expert in different things in and around Detroit. And now you just have that asset of information to give you more confidence if you do decide to set up some Detroit tours or, or speak to some Detroit history. That asset helps. Yeah, the Burton Collection also has the papers of Coleman A. Young. Mayor mm. <laughs> Coleman A. Young. I didn't know that, but and that makes perfect sense. Now, Mayor, now I'm going to be running to the Burton Collection <laughs> to check those out. <laughs> and Mayor Dennis Archer. Okay. And check those uh, out former uh, city uh, councilman Ken Cockrell Sr. I think mm. those are still sealed, however. Mm. But, they're, but you know, in, you know what it, in the future they will become uh, accessible too. Uh, I think it's still a while yet before the seal's off. But uh, unfortunately— the uh, when the city had the massive flood uh, mm. in 2021, uh, the Burton Collection was closed uh, because we had to uh, 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 redo the the Burton Collection space, mm. and, and and parts of the main library, the second floor, the Azealia Hackley mu- mu- Music Collection, as well as Burton, uh, are all closed because we we're operating in a deficit of over $3 million. And so the staffing has been spread out more to keep get open library branches in the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if we, if we, I, I, I believe if Angela Calloway and the citizens get out there and support what Angela Calloway is asking for to get that $3.5 million back, uh, we're, we're going to be able to reopen our, you know, this is my belief. I'm not saying I'm. A, I'm not on the board now. I'm not speaking for the library. I'm speaking for my hopes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that these uh, the Burton collection and the Azalea Hackley collection will uh, be accessible again. And then 
uh, those branches will be open. But the uh, but the uh, uh, that's going to be an uphill fight to get that money, and the city's probably going to say, "Oh, it's not legal to do it," and they're probably going to throw every roadblock they can because, you know, um, I've seen more than one person in that administration from the top down uh, say things that aren't true to serve their, their the ends that they seek, and so uh, there's going to be there's maybe a fight about getting getting money. F- like that from the DDA. The DDA did report, according to Adam Barrett, who is a citizen who attended their meetings, they reported that they had a $6 million surplus. Mm. <laughs> so guess who needs some of that money? There and uh, and, uh, I, and I'll also add one thing, because one of the things I'm, I think I, 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 I'm trying to uh, convey is that part of our struggle is the, is the disrespectful, cynical abusive demeanor of the administration. Mm-hmm. I, I want to give one other example because it's costly to us, and that's that $1.2 million administrative fee that gives they take out of our budget and put in the general fund of the city <laughs> mm-hmm. it, when we think the money should be the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take this administrative fee to cover what they say are their costs of like the what they do. And, yeah. uh, basically Great. serving as the fiduciary of the public library. But when the library said, okay, what are we actually paying for? Give us an accounting of what we're paying for. They ignore us. Mm-hmm. When the, our auditors, outside auditors, come in and they say to the city, we need an accounting for how that money is being spent and what it's being paid for, the city tells them that well, I don't know if they verbalize it. They ignore them and basically can't account for it. I believe that $1.2 million fee will not stand up to scrutiny because you could pay a dozen people, you know, a hundred grand a year for 12 people under those costs. The fact of the matter is they don't have anybody working full time on just the library in the Mm -hmm. city. So there's not much of a payroll cost. The budget gets processed through the city, but that's not a big tax. We, We put all the, all the work in it. All they do is look at it and push it forward to city council. They might they might debate it for a couple of, an hour or two. Um, the budget doesn't have any. The budget department has nothing to do with us. They issue the checks and they do wire wire transfers. So there's some staff time in the finance department, but that's not one full time person. Mm. Not one full-time person, and there, so the paper costs. So let's let's concede maybe there's hundred thousand dollars, maybe a little more, mm-hmm. because I don't know all the inner workings of everything. Maybe a little more, but where's that other million going? Mm-hmm. This is part of the disrespect and the you know go to hell attitude they have toward the library, because. They think we're there for a cash cow to loot down, and they'll draw down our, our fund balance, our reserve rainy day fund, uh, because they see it sitting there as a big egg, and they just mm-hmm. want to suck it down. That's and good. if that puts us in a deficit, in five years at this rate, we won't, the library system will have to go into a major shutdown of branches mm-hmm. if we, the citizens don't arrest it, and they should be arresting it now so that we can reopen branches and not face the future shutdown because the, the the emergency funds and rainy day funds are not eternal mm-hmm. and they're being drained every every year by the duggan administration well you just said something to me because i was about to uh with that coleman thing run, run down to that burden collection we yeah, need that burden collection you. open again 
Yes. Need it again. All right. <laughs> Say that. So, so thank you so much. As always, um, I'm gonna get this out there, and then uh, we're gonna get this info. Okay. Can, can I just add one thing? Yeah. Uh, because because of the library commission not taking uh, what we feel are inappropriate uh, steps as d- being ordered by the city, the mayor thinks he's supposed to control. Uh, uh, a council member in District Three, Scott Benson, has introduced a resolution that uh, to get state law changed so that the mayor can take over the library commission. Hmm. The school board uh, was the origin of the Detroit library system. And since 1881, by state law, the school board has appointed the library commissioners. They only appoint one person per year for a six-year term to fill the six seats. The seventh seat is filled by the president of the school board. And that's the extent of the ties. So we have one conversation a year with the school district, and it's over their appointment of the next commissioner. Um, so that's the relationship yep. between the schools and Yeah, that, the and that's the fir- only extent of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this city council member, in order to shut down the Detroit Library Commission, which is an independent voice for the people, mm-hmm. and is standing up for the, the library system, they want to shut that down because Scott Benson does what the mayor wants. He's well known for that. And so another mention to all the city council members you talk about, we do not want the city to take over the Detroit Public Library because you, we, we've already showed you the illegal activities and the quasi-legal activities that they're doing now and the questionable activities to diminish the library. If the city has complete takeover, all bets are off for the future of the library system. Mm. Mm. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, heavy game. Heavy game. Yes, sir. Yes, thank sir. You, thank you for your hospitality and always your service to the community. Always. Russ is going to be back because we have some other tax capture information soon for you, too. All right. Amen. All right. Peace. Peace.